Veni de Libano, sponsa mea. Veni de Libano, veni. Vulnerasti cordini. Soror mea, sponsa mea. Vulnerasti cordini. Come from Lebanon, my bride. Come from Lebanon, come. Thou hast wounded my heart. My sister, my bride, thou hast wounded my heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Contrary to what we are given to believe, it is not we who choose this saint or that to be our friend. It is rather the saints who, looking down from their place in heaven, choose those whom they wish to befriend. The saints choose us, and this in the light of God's wisdom and providence. We, poor struggling sons of St. Benedict, have not then to ask why we have chosen St. Therese among our special friends in heaven. We have instead to ask why St. Therese has chosen the likes of us as the object of her attention and affection. In 2011, when we were looking for a home, we made a novena to St. Therese of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face, and she led us to this place. And when I came in October 2011 to visit this house for the first time, I was led into the sacristy, the sacristy of the redundant chapel. And at the time there was a document in Latin over the vestment case. I walked in and saw it straight in front of me, and it said, this church was dedicated to St. Therese of the Child Jesus and of the Holy Face. It took my breath away. And then, on October 19th, I had an appointment with His Lordship, Dr. Smith, and going in to see him, I had no idea that October 19th was in any way related to St. Therese. But after the appointment, in the course of which he invited us here to Silver Stream, I learned that it was in fact the anniversary of the proclamation of St. Therese, a doctor of the Church, and the anniversary of the beatification of her parents, Louis and Zélie. St. Therese 
had her reasons for choosing us. The reasons for this choice are, I think, written in the mysterious journal of God's providence. There are nonetheless a few indications that lift a corner of the veil on God's hidden designs, and they are worth pondering. The first of these has to do with the fundamental grace of St. Therese. We call her the little flower, but she was no shrinking violet. The fundamental grace of St. Therese is a holy boldness. It is the audacity that comes from the absolute certainty of being loved. In us, just as we are, St. Therese sees men called to believe that we are loved. In us, she sees men called to hope, even in the face of things that threaten to drag us down, down even into the pit of despair. The work of St. Therese is precisely this, to help souls especially those marked by some kind of suffering, love's signature, to believe that they are loved and never to lose hope. We know and believe the love God has for us. Out of this faith in the love of God, grows an immense confidence, a boldness in the Holy Ghost that authorizes even the weakest and most miserable soul to see in the child Jesus a brother, and in the holy face of the suffering Jesus the traits of a beloved friend the gaze of the Divine Bridegroom. This identification with the child Jesus, and even more, with the adorable face of the suffering Jesus, makes the friends of Therese bold and full of confidence in their relationship with the Father. When the Father looks upon any one of us, he sees the child Jesus, and he sees the suffering face of Jesus. And for us who are called to be Benedictine adorers, the face of Jesus, the child, and the immolated Lamb, is hidden and at the same time revealed in the Most Holy Sacrament of the Altar. It is by tarrying before our Lord's Eucharistic face that we begin to see ourselves as the Father sees us. Since you loved me so much, says Therese in one of her prayers to the Father, I beg you to look upon me 
only through the face of Jesus. And the second reason why Therese may have chosen us as the object of her affection and attention has to do with her zeal for the sanctification of priests. Therese had no illusions about the virtues of the clergy. As a 14-year-old girl on pilgrimage to Rome, she witnessed firsthand the weaknesses and compromises of the priests surrounding her without, however, becoming scandalized or jaded by them. She writes in her autobiography, Having never lived close to priests, I was not able to understand the principal aim of the reform of Carmel. To pray for sinners, that attracted me. But to pray for the souls of priests, whom I believed to be as pure as crystal, seemed puzzling to me. She continues, I understood my vocation in Italy, and that's not going too far in search of such useful knowledge. I lived in the company of many saintly priests for a month, and I learned that though their dignity raises them above the angels, they are nevertheless weak and fragile men. If Holy priests, whom Jesus in his gospel calls the salt of the earth, show in their conduct their extreme need for prayers. What is to be said of those who are tepid? Didn't Jesus say, the salt loses its savor, wherewith will it be salted? And later on, when in the course of the examination before her profession, Therese was asked why she had come to Carmel. She said, I came to save souls and especially to pray for priests. In us, dear sons, Therese sees men with great aspirations, men with hearts made to love, men with love to give, to pour out, in adoration and in reparation, men ready to father souls, with a special tenderness for priests caught in the webs of sin and vice. The love of Christ impels us. Therese, in her own way, says to each of us that our limitations, yours and mine, be they physical, psychological, or moral, are not an impediment to love, but a way to love. Not an impediment, but a way. Every wound of ours, every chink, in the armor of our self-styled virtue is an opening to love, a portal through which divine love penetrates into places within us that would, were we not so wounded, 
remain sealed off to love. Therese says that the calling we have received is to be love, love in the heart of the church. A love that adores. A love that makes reparation. A love that keeps love company in the sacrament of love. She tells us not to give in to discouragement. She invites us to be confident and to go forward, trusting that the Lord himself, like a mighty warrior, is with us and has taken up our cause, or rather made his cause our cause. In October 2011, we made this novena to St. Therese. We asked her to find us a house and property suitable for the development of our monastic family. And she led us here to Silver Stream. She accompanied us and delivered us safely to this house prepared by the Lord for us and in some way reserved for us. St. Therese identifies with what we are doing here because it is a work of love and of reparation to love in the heart of the Church. And if I may speak personally for a moment, allow me to say that Therese has known me and followed me around for a very long time, for many years. And there exists between us one of those lifelong friendships capable of weathering every storm of enduring long periods of silence and of responding at a minute's notice to a cry for help. It seems to me that we are being invited to work with St. Therese for the souls of priests. Our aim is to give back to priests the taste for love so that they will burn with love and spread the fire of love to those around them and to the whole church. And this is a great work and not a little daunting. But our role in it is very simple. We are to adore for those who do not adore. And to represent our brother priests, especially the weakest among them, before the Eucharistic, the merciful, the compassionate face of Jesus. Our Lord waits in his tabernacles for those with whom he chose to share his priesthood, to return to him and to tarry in his presence. If we remain faithful to our mission here, we will have nothing to fear. We have only to go forward in the certainty that we are immensely loved and that nothing will be able to snatch us away from the love that possesses us and that has marked us with love's seal. <laughs>
Saint Benedict says in chapter 7 of the Holy Rule that at the summit, or if you prefer at the bottom, of the twelve steps of the ladder of humility, we will arrive at what? At the love of God, which being perfect, complete, comprehensive, drives out all fear. The summit of Benedictine life is a holy freedom in love. It is the security of the child who knows beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is unconditionally loved, and that if he falls, love will pick him up again, and that if he hurts himself, love will heal his bruises and bind up his wounds. And that if he is obstinate and slow to understand, love will wait for him with an inexhaustible patience. And that if he trusts his life to love, he will not be disappointed in his hope. Julian, you become a postulant today. After this afternoon, you'll be on this side of the grill. And so to you I say, if you trust your life to love, you will not be disappointed. To all of this, to the entire teaching of St. Benedict's little rule for beginners, as he calls it, St. Therese says a heartfelt Amen. For in St. Benedict's little rule for beginners, Therese recognizes her own little way. Let us follow it without fear, for it begins in love and leads to love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.